Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us in our series, Easter, The Jesus Way. Jesus is our ultimate example for how we should live our lives. In this series, we are looking at Jesus's ministry, from his calling to his victory over the grave. We are walking alongside his journey to the cross, to his death and burial, and then to his resurrection. Each week, we will be deep diving into chapters 15 through 21 of the Gospel of John, leading us all the way to celebrate Christ's victory over the grave on Easter Sunday. Now let's tune in. All right, if you have your Bibles, we want to go ahead and open to John chapter 20. i say it again, uh, happy Easter. We're so glad that you've come to worship with us here at Rolling Hills. We know that uh, you could have chosen lots of other places to be able to worship uh, on Sunday, especially on Easter Sunday morning, but we're so thankful that you've joined us here uh, and, and pray that you feel welcomed. I hope that uh, as, as you, if you were here during the beginning, uh, when we did the welcome, my, my wife and I uh, had, hopefully it was enjoyable to you to watch us in our cute little banter uh, between each other. Uh, but I hope what, what you do understand about us, about Rolling Hills in general, is, is that we're a church that doesn't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the mission that God has given us very seriously. And so we like to have a great time, but we ultimately we realize and understand and hold, hold very seriously God, what God's called us to uh, and the preaching and the proclaiming of God's word and, and, and sharing the gospel um, to the nations in our neighborhood. And so uh, over the past several weeks, we've been working through a series uh, called The Jesus Way, and it's really worked through the last seven chapters of the book of John uh, in studying kind of this, the, the ending, the, the works and the words of Jesus as he works towards the cross and, uh, and through the resurrection. And so this week we're in John chapter 20, which is the resurrection, which is fitting for Easter. We worked it out that way. It seems pretty awesome. Uh, next week we're going to work through John chapter 21. I'll kind of close out our series, and you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be at our regular time, right? This, this week it's a little different, 9 and 1030. Next week we'll be at our 10. 30 or at 10 o'clock time and we'll work through John chapter 21 which is this incredible story of restoration of Jesus restoring into, into fellowship and, in, and, and restoring the relationship between he and Peter who denied him uh, on, the, on the eve of his crucifixion. You're not going to want to miss that as we walk through it. I know that uh, many of us will, will ex- have, have experienced something that's incredible or maybe like that and, and really just need to hear that restoration that Jesus brings in that relationship. Like we said, uh, John chapter 20 is the resurrection. And here this morning, we, we just want to focus in on the, on the resurrection and all that means for us as, as the followers of Jesus, but also what it means for those of us in the room that maybe are not followers of Jesus. Like I know that in the room this morning, there's, on the spectrum of where you are with Jesus, there's, that we're, we're all over the map. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for years and years I know in the first service there was then individuals that were 30, 40 years plus that they've been walking with Jesus. And I know also in this room this morning, there are individuals who've been walking with Jesus for just a short amount of time. Maybe you just trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. You've put your faith in him and you're beginning that new relationship. And both are incredible, long time, new, new relationship. Maybe some of you are on the edge. Maybe you've heard the gospel proclaimed and maybe you've been around church for just maybe a little while or for a long time and you've heard it proclaimed. You've heard, you know a lot about it, but you've never really made that step to actually trust Jesus for salvation. But you're, you're leaning in, you're curious, and, and maybe you're about ready to take that next step. And maybe you're here this morning and you're just not really interested at all. But you came with somebody and you're making them happy by showing up. And that's the case, then awesome. We're glad that you're here. 
everybody's welcome. Everybody who, no matter where you are on the spectrum, everybody's welcome to be here. But here, but this morning, what I hope is that I can implore you, I can ask you to join me in asking a few questions that are really important, I think, for this morning, for all of us, no matter where we are on that spectrum. And so if you have your worship guides that you received, there's not a space for you to write these down. But I, I want to ask you just, maybe, maybe just on the side there, if you'll just write these questions down for your, for your own you can ponder these, kind of think through these things as we work through the service or work through the sermon, the words this morning. Here's, here's a question, couple questions I want you to ask yourself. Is where am I with Jesus? Where am I at with Jesus? And maybe this is question 1A. I feel like maybe putting Jesus at the center of this question rather than me at the center or you at the center. Where's Jesus at with me? Where am I at with Jesus? Where is Jesus at with me? Third question I want you to ask this morning is this. Why does it matter? Does it even matter where Jesus is at with me or where I'm at with Jesus? And I would argue, honestly, yes, it does. It is honestly the most important question you could ask, not just today, but in the rest of your life. Where Does it matter where you're at with Jesus? Yes, it matters. It is the most important thing that you could ask these questions about where you are and where Jesus is at with you. And the third, fourth question is this, what is my next step? Whether you've walked with Jesus for 30 years, for 30 minutes, you're still not there, and, or you're just like, I'm just here just to take this in for a minute, and we're going to go eat some ham and mashed potatoes. It's going to be awesome after it's over. If that's all you're thinking about. Maybe, maybe the question is, what's my next step? And my prayer this morning is that, is that as we ask these questions, that God would open our eyes and maybe just, just a little bit, no matter where you are on that spectrum, that he would answer what our next step is. And, and maybe if you are that individual who's like, man, I, I don't care much about it, but maybe just a little bit God begins to soften your heart and turn towards some kind of next step. Maybe just a little more curiosity about this story of Jesus and this guy named Jesus that we make so much of here and that the scripture makes so much of. And my second, really my hope is, uh, my prayer this morning is as we open this and work through these 31 verses in John chapter 20, that no matter how comfortable you are with this passage, if you've heard it a thousand times, if you could recite it from memory, that this morning the God of creation would grip us and help us grasp the weight and the wonder of what's happening here in the resurrection and the story of Jesus coming back to life after his crucifixion. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through these 31 verses. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to, a couple things I want to point out uh, to us from this, this passage. And beginning in verse 1, it says this, that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone was removed from the entrance. And so she, came, so, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Pause here. I love the fact that we pretty well know that John is the writer of this, or John is the writer of this, but he also refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves, right? And so he's telling us here that he outran Peter, and that's not the only time he's going to make, like, kind of poke at Peter. And maybe y'all have fun, friends like this. I do, uh, and hopefully I can be that friend to some. So anyway, we'll just keep going. Verse 5, he says he bent over, right? P Peter, or John bends over. He, he looks in, 
the strips of linen there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter comes along behind him. And when he reached, and he went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still lying in the place separate from the linen. Finally, the other stipple, the one who got there first, right? He went into the tomb and he saw and believed. In verse nine, it says, but they still did not understand the scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. And then the disciples, those two, they went back to where they were staying. In verse 11, it says that Mary stood outside the tomb crying and she wept, bent over and looked into the tomb and she saw the two, two angels, two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking that it was the gardener, sir, she said, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go instead and tell the brothers, to the brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that he had said, all the things that he had told her. And on the evening of the first day of the week, just later that day, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the, and the doors locked in the room and they were fe for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace with you. My father has sent me and so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he received the spirit. And if you forgive, he said to them, if you forgive sins, those sins will be forgiven. If you do not forgive sins, they will not be forgiven. Now, Thomas, whose name was Didymus, was one of the 12, but he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so, so the disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see the nail marks and put my finger where the, where the nails were, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And so a week later, the disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hand. Reach out your hand and, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And it says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they have believed. So verse 30 says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. And that in believing, you might have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word and that in it you, you give us clarity that you on the cross died a sinner's death, that there was, that, that life ex 
cease to exist in your body. No longer blood flowing through your veins, no longer breath filling your lungs, no longer a heartbeat, your eyes closed. You died on the cross and you were laid in a tomb where your body grew cold for three days. But on the third day, on the morning of the third day, you rose. Blood flows through your veins. Breath fills your lungs, your heart beats, your eyes open, and you are alive, and you are alive today. And it is the reason why we sing. And so, Father, I pray that this morning that you would help us in this room, no matter where we are in the spectrum of our relationship with you, you would help us grasp, Father, the weight and the wonder of your resurrection because it changes everything as you give us victory over sin and death. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. And there's just a couple things I want to point out from this passage for us this morning. And the first thing, if you have your worship guides, you want to follow along with this. The first thing is this, that Jesus sees our sorrow. If you kind of go back to the beginning of the passage where we started, it, it tells us that, that it, it's obvious that the disciples are shocked in this passage. Right? And, and Christ has died on the cross. They're, they're shocked at this death of Jesus, the one that's the Messiah. They, they've come to believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the one that was going to rescue them. And there was lots of kind of confusing things about what was going to happen because he was the Messiah. But, but they believed he was special, right, these disciples. And, and then he dies on a cross. And so they're shocked at that. They, there's, there's no way to wrap your mind around that. All of these hopes and dreams have kind of faded, right? That's the reason why they're locked in this house some ways away. They're scared of these Jewish guys, these, these, these men who hung uh, Jesus on a cross. And so now they're, they're scared of that and they're, they're away because they're shocked about what happened there. And now they get this news from Mary that Jesus is alive, that he's missing. And I can't imagine just how shocked they are at that. And so as they, they, the, from the accounts that we have in all the different uh, Gospels and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you kind of put together the story that, that Mary, along with some other ladies, they go to the, the tomb this morning, that, that morning on, on Easter morning, and it's early in the morning before sunrise, maybe 5, 5.30. This is where we see that godly people rise early. <clears throat> That's funny. No. This before sunrise, they go to the tomb and they see this, this stone that weighs over a thousand pounds. It's rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. They look inside and the, and the body is gone. The body of Jesus is gone. And so they don't know what to do. Shock. She runs back to tell these disciples, hearing this report from, from Mary, the, the, these men run immediately to the tomb. They arrive. They find that what she said was true. But verse 10, it says again that they didn't understand that he had risen from the dead. They just know that he's not there. So they go back to the place they were staying, but Mary stays right where she's at. And she weeps at the entrance of the tomb, and there she has two encounters. The first one is with these two angels that are seated there inside the tomb. And they ask her, why are you crying? And she says, I don't know where they put my Lord. And, 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 and I, I, he's gone, and I don't know where, where they put him. And, and some, some scholars kind of think that they just kind of pointed over her shoulder, right? And so they, they're, they're, there's Jesus over, over there in the garden. And so she turns around, and she looks, and, and, and the, what is, it's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize it, that it's Jesus. And, she says, and he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? 
And if you read this passage, you under, kind of understand as she responds to him, you really, really understand the, the, the tone that's there in Jesus' words. It's, it's like this gentle rebuke. It kind of tells us that Jesus is like, Mary, who are you looking for at the tomb, at my tomb? You know that, that I was coming back. I've told you, I've told the disciples, I've said multiple times I was going to die and in three days I was going to come back. That She could have, she should have known that this was what was going to happen. But, but here she's standing at the tomb, she's weeping. She had seen him die on the cross. She was not looking for a resurrected Jesus. She was looking for a dead man. Because dead people don't come back to life. They just don't. Let's think about what's going on here, is what's happening in her mind. She's there looking for the body of Jesus. I think that she seems a lot like us, if you take a second and think about it. I mean, for Mary, who knows Jesus, right, she's walked with Jesus. She's seen Jesus do incredible things. She's seen Jesus resurrect her brother from the dead. This is Lazarus' sister. So she's seen those things. And some of us know Jesus. We've walked with Jesus. We've, we know the promises of Jesus. But there's moments in our lives when the darkness gets so dark, when it gets just so heavy that we forget about the promises. We forget about the power of God and what he can do in those moments. We begin to feel sorry for ourselves. We get upset and anxious. I can't be the only one who's experienced something like this. I know that there's plenty of us that walked through things like this. And what, what it tells us before we move on, what we see in this place is, is as wrecked as she is. And she is wrecked. you got to think just how overwhelmed she is. She's wrecked by the fact that he's not there, overwhelmed by that. She doesn't have the luxury to turn the page and recognize or, or understand that he has risen. He's come back and he's going to do all the things that he said he was going to do. She's weeping outside the tomb, but still, even though she could have and she should have known that Jesus was coming back, Christ comes to her in the midst of her sorrow. I want you to hear that. Even though she could have and she should have known, all these things are as they should, as, as they happened. Even though she should have known that, and she's standing outside this tomb, weeping at the loss of her Savior, Jesus comes to her in that place. That she doesn't have to walk through this alone. And this is the truly, in this moment of hopelessness, hope arrives there for her outside the tomb. And, and, and this is the story of the gospel overall, right? In the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our distress and our hopelessness and our powerlessness to ease the troubles that we face in life. For in, 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 the mo in the midst of us understanding of, that we can't do anything to restore this relationship that's been shattered by our sin and by sin in the world in general. That we can't do anything to, to fix this separation that God has with us in that place of hopelessness hope arrives Jesus finds us there Christ sees our sorrow he knows our sorrow and he comes to us in the midst of that when we find when we can't find hope we can't find peace he meets us there and the second thing I want to point out is that not only does he meet us there but he satisfies the search that we're on he satisfies that search this sorrow that Mary is feeling, it's a deep sorrow. But she wasn't going to give up this search for Jesus. 
The, the disciples, Paul and John, or excuse me, Peter and John, they go back, uh, they go back to the place where they had been staying. They're not, they're not spending any time looking for Jesus. I don't know if it's because they're really frightened as to the fact that they could be uh, tried and put on, on trial for the fact that they followed him or whatever, but they go back and they hide out, but she stays right there at the entrance of the tomb. Her mind is racing as what she should do next, where she should go to search for Jesus. And she, and, and She's, again, remember, she's not searching for a resurrected. She's searching for the lifeless body. And after speaking to the angels, she turns around and the gardener has the conversation. And Jesus says these words to her, this word. He simply says her name, Mary. Now, I don't know what it was about that. Because he, she had already heard, she had already heard his voice, right? She had already heard this Jesus resurrected, but that she thinks is the gardener. She's already heard his voice once, but something about her name coming off the lips of Jesus changes everything. She hears his name. She hears her name. And it goes back to what Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, that, that his sheep know his voice. They know when he calls them. And she's searching for Christ, but she can't find him. But that's okay. And listen, if some of you are searching for something and you don't know what you're searching for, you know that there's something that fills this longing inside of your heart. She's searching for something to fill this longing that's inside of her heart. As her, her Jesus, this one that she's followed, as she can't find him. She, and we can't find him those, and sometimes. But he knows exactly where we are. She couldn't find where Jesus was. She couldn't find what she was looking for. But he knew exactly where she was. And he comes to her even when she can't find him. Mary's experience hopefully sounds a little bit familiar for some of us. And if not, maybe, maybe it will sound familiar for some of you as you, maybe he opens your eyes to the fact that there's something that you're searching for and you don't know where to find it, but it's okay because he knows where you are. He's calling out your name in the same way that he called out Mary's name. This good news that in the darkest moments of our lives, Jesus knows exactly where we are. And I, I don't know about you, but in the past couple of weeks in our city in general, we've experienced some of those dark moments. But what scripture tells us here is that we don't have to experience those moments alone because Jesus finds us in that darkness. He comes to us and he calls out our name. And what he does and what it tells us, not only that we have to walk through those dark moments alone, but that he is greater than that darkness. He's greater than that sorrow. He's greater than whatever it is that, that is, is standing in front of us, whatever mountain, whatever, whatever struggle that stands in front of us, experiencing the joy and the peace that we long for. He's greater than those things is what it tells us in Scripture right here as he comes to Mary in this dark moment in her life and calls out her name. He says, Mary. And she recognizes his voice. She falls and, and, and reaches out to, to touch him. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, here I am. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door knocking. And if anyone would open his heart to me, open this door and open his heart to me, I will come and eat with that person and they will be with me. Here's what I, for maybe for some of you that, that are in the, the place where you're just leaning in and questioning what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, what I want you to hear is that Jesus is saying, I'm here. 
the sorrow, the darkness, the, the fret, the anxiety, all of the things that you're wrestling through and you want peace but you don't know where to find it. He said, I'm here. I'm standing at the door knocking. If you just open the door, I will come and the, rest of the relationship that's broken will be restored. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but you'll be with Jesus. Not everything changed and it was perfect for Mary, but she was with Jesus. Because of that, everything changed internally. So Christ knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. And he's come to satisfy that search for us. He's come to satisfy what our hearts are seeking. And, and lastly, if, you, if you're following along in the worship God, he satisfies that search, but he secures our salvation. If you work through this passage, what you see is not uh, that she runs back to tell the disciples that and all this message that Jesus has told her. And, and later that same day, Jesus comes and he, sent, he goes to the disciples and he shows them his hands and his side. And they believe that as, they're, as they're sitting in that room fearful, he says, peace be with you. And I'm sure that they needed it in that moment for not only the fact that they were hiding, but he just showed up in the room. The door was locked. I would need peace too. I'd have, that would have been a real weird day. But from there, it tells us in Scripture and other spots and other gospel kind of accounts that, that Jesus appeared to other folks in, in before, he was, before he was taken to heaven, before he ascended. A number of days later, he, has, he appeared to all of these different people. And what he's telling us, what, what, what Scripture is telling us over, over and over again, as he's, as he's letting us know that Jesus is seen by all of these people, he's kind of giving us this clear and resounding yes that he is risen, that he is alive. And he says to Thomas, put your hands in my finger, put your fingers here in the, in the holes in my hand and put your hands in my side and know. And he confesses, it's the first time anybody confesses that Jesus is both Lord and God. It's Thomas, the one that we've given a hard time about doubting. Listen, he probably had some scoundrel friends. I probably wouldn't have believed him either. I mean, John calls himself the disciple that, that Jesus loves. He's probably a trickster, right? I don't know. I hope that he didn't get mad at me later. We've given this dude a hard time, but Jesus showed up and said, I'm, I am, I did what I said I was, was going to do. I accomplished all that I said I would accomplish. And over and over, he's giving us this resounding, yes, I am risen. He is risen. And in his risen, in his rising from the dead, he secured our salvation. That he has secured for us what our hearts desperately long for at, at, at the core is this restoration and relationship and the salvation that we all desperately need. Listen to what Paul writes. This resurrection is of the utmost importance. Right In verse 13 of chapter 15, he says this, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Verse 16, if you skip down to that, he says this, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ was not raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are the most to be pitied. But Christ indeed has risen from the dead and is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man and resurrection from the dead through one man, 
For in, in Adam, all men die, but in Christ, we are made alive. Here's what scripture tells us, is that Jesus did actually raise from the dead. He was dead and he is alive and it matters 100%. It is the thing that matters the most in all of life, that he is risen. It changes everything. If he had not risen, if this was just a story, then we are the most to be pitied. And honestly, we're foolish for being here this morning because there's lots of other things that would be way more fun to do than listen to me talk for 35 minutes if Jesus was not alive, but he is. He is alive. And because he is alive, we can have life. And that's what John tells us in, in, in the end of this passage. And what I want you to hear for all of us this morning, and going back to the questions that we asked just a second ago, he says, Jesus performed many more miracles than this in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing you can have life in his name. What John desires for all that would read this, that all would, would read this account of Jesus' life and death and his resurrection is that they would understand that he is the one that he said that he was, that he is the Messiah, that his death was sufficient for our sins, for the punishment that we deserve for sin, and his resurrection gives us victory over sin and death, that we can have life with Jesus that we can be restored to what we were meant to have, the, the life that we were meant to have with God by believing in him. And that life is not a momentary life, but life that is eternal, the life that we were meant to have. He secures our salvation. And so this morning, as the band comes back up, remember the, the questions that we asked. Where am I at with Jesus? Where's Jesus at with me? Do I really think that this question matters at all? Is it a question that's worth asking? And I, I hope that in, as we work through this passage this morning, that, that there's a sense that, yes, this passage, this, this question, it's worth asking whether or not this really matters because it matters 100%. It's the question that matters the most. And then what's your next step? And the worship guide that you received that we talked about earlier, we asked you to fill out. Mainly the reason I want everybody to fill that out is because I want everybody to think through these questions. On the back side there where there's some, some places for you to record prayer requests, there's also four questions. And these are the questions, one, that you're accepting Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation for the first time this morning. That maybe as God is... As, as, the word has been preached as the songs have been sung that there's a moment where you just recognize that you need a savior and Jesus is that savior. Maybe you've been on the edge for a long time and today you've made that step and if that's your, man, we, we wanna celebrate with you. We are so excited. We'd love for you to let us know that that's where you are this morning. The second question is maybe that you believe in Jesus and you wanna take that next step of baptism in Christ, and you want to you do what, what my, my brothers did this morning, what the Turner brothers did this morning. And take that next step and say, I want to make it public. This, this relationship that I have with Jesus, I've kept it quiet for too long. I want to make it public. And if that's what you want, we would love to walk with you and get you ready to take that next step of baptism. Maybe for you, it's the, it's the third one that you've committed to Jesus and you're a disciple and that you're living your life 
with him and for him. And that's incredible. We're so excited. We pray that you would continue to walk in faithfulness. Maybe you're the last one where you don't really know about this whole Jesus thing. But you'd like to talk more about what it means to have a relationship with him. And I would love to have that conversation with you. We're going to do something that I don't do very often, but I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. And what it means to actually trust Jesus for salvation is comes to a point where you recognize that he is Lord, that he is perfect and holy and that we are sinners and that we repent of our sin and we put our faith in him. And we confess with our mouth is what scripture says. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. If you do those things, it says that you will be saved. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, but I, I'm, I'm gonna, again, do something that we don't normally do on a Sunday morning, but it maybe you're at the place where you're saying, I really wanna trust Christ for salvation. And I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. If you're a believer, I'm asking you just to spend this couple of moments praying that God would open the hearts and the minds to move towards salvation, those who maybe don't have a relationship with him. But if you, if you want to trust Christ for salvation this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And then I'm going to tell you at the end, I'm going to ask you to come and have a conversation with me because I want to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. I'm not going to bait and switch you. I'm telling you what I'm going to ask you to do. So if you do want to have a relationship with Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And then after the service is over, I'll be standing in the front. I'd love to have a conversation with you about that decision that you're making and what it means to take the next step with him. So... If, if you want to trust Christ for, for salvation, pray this with me. You say, dear Lord, dear Lord, I recognize that you are holy, that you are King of kings, and that you are Lord. There is none like you. And also recognize that I'm a sinner, that I'm sinful to the core, and I need a savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins, turn from trying to save myself and look to you to be my salvation. I confess that you are Lord of my life and I put my trust in you and you alone. I believe that you died on the cross and were raised to new life. And I pray that you would give me that new life. If you pray that prayer this morning, I'm gonna just give you a second just to spend time just talking to the Father. For those of you who are followers of Christ, just continue to pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I have no idea if any individual in this room prayed that prayer this morning. but I believe that there are plenty in this room that whether they did, they took that step or not, God, that they are on the edge of wanting to. There's a desire in their hearts that you've put there 
to be restored with it, with you. Maybe they just have questions. And so God, I pray that they would ask those questions, that they would not leave here this morning without asking those questions. God, would you continue to draw us near to yourself? Continue to be glorified in the song that we sing here as we close this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've loved us first. You love us best. You love us always, and your love never fails. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with someone in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.